Welcome to Siri the Hooked House of the Dragon, where your hookers, Chris and Rashad, and today Old Town is with us. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all of our latest information. You can also send us an email at hello at seriallyhooked.com with any of your interesting thoughts or not so interesting thoughts. We have so much coming down the pipeline for you. Oh my God. Um, this Wednesday we have a new weekly hook. So it's a normal week this week, but next week, tune in as we begin our coverage of the upcoming Star Wars series Andor. And I am... I'm going to speak for both of us and say we are so excited for talking about the show as well as the show itself in that order, probably. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait to finally be talking about Star Wars again. <laughs> it's really like it's been so long and we're really going back to our roots. I'm so excited yeah. for it. And like this this show specifically. So yay. I did a Rogue One rewatch recently and Ooh, oh, nice. so good. I'm just so excited. But all right, we'll talk. We'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> And of course, we'll be doing our weekly reviews of Hot D or House of the Dragon <laughs> as every episode comes up. So be sure to stay tuned for all of that. There's just so much coming. I had someone privately message me that uh, they were very confused by this abbreviation and they thought that we had pivoted into a different direction with this podcast. If you want us to pivot that way, just send us a note at hello at seriallyhook.com. <laughs> And with that, let's say our vows. All right, so here we're talking about episode five of House of the Dragon season one titled We Light the Way, the words of House Hightower. Mm, I did not know that. I didn't know the title or that that was the, uh, you know, the motto of the house. Interesting. Yeah, it actually reframes the whole episode. This is why I went up to say it up top. So what do you mm. think of the first episode? Not the first episode, the fifth episode. <laughs> this episode. <laughs> yes. I love this one so much. So I, I took as, I have never taken as many notes as I have today for a House of the Dragon episode so far. So I think so much just happens and I'm all here for everything. This season is really hitting its stride. Mm. Every episode's getting better and better. And I I just, I'm kind of at a loss for words, especially for the wedding scene or the feast scene before it. I'm just like, oh, I know we have to talk about scenes later on, but holy crap. And yes. also everything leading up to it is just, you know, I, start, I, I very similarly when I write, notes for this episode or any episode of house of the dragon i kind of write that down the four scenes i want to talk about as they're happening on screen and just kind of like what my thoughts are and i started writing and i just could not stop writing for an hour straight <laughs> yes <laughs> so good Th this scene no this scene no this scene <laughs> luckily there's one scene that's like 30 minutes so that helps yes. <laughs> that's very true uh yeah i don't know it's i'm just I'm just going to say this for the first time up top. I'm so curious where this is going now. Like next week. I can't wait till next week. Right? Okay. Where do you think it's going? Just like in one in one minute and then we'll get into the episode itself. I'm just curious. I think there's going to be another time jump. Okay. Uh, I think that uh, the king is dead. 
and uh, that next episode or in the time jump or after the time jump. I guess they w- they w- they wouldn't have an off-screen death. That would be bad. So maybe maybe it's not a time jump yet. And uh, Viserys is on his deathbed, with which can I just say the foreshadowing of this was excellent. So well done. Um, and then everybody's just bickering about okay, who's going to be in charge? Is it going to be Alicent? Is it going to be Rhaenyra? Is it going to be Damon? What's going to be happening? Uh, and especially Alicent now with her knowledge of uh, Cole and what also what happens to Cole who just murdered someone on the royal wedding. So all of this and what's Otto up to and yeah, all of these things. What What is with Damon and um, Rhea's, I forget it, is it her uncle, I think? How is that going to be like Damon and the Vale? All of these things. I'm so curious. I believe that uh, Sir Gerald Royce is her cousin. I see. But yeah, with, for Kristen Cole on that note, like how do you murder somebody in a f- room full of a bunch of people and lose your shit like that and then still come back to work the next day? I know Allison <laughs> stops him from committing suicide. Yeah. But like, um, how do you then just like have a conversation with anyone and like continue your job? So it's really, it'll be interesting to see how that happens or what happens there. Yeah, I, I th- sorry, I, I just need to, I have a theory on this. <laughs> yes, please, please. <laughs> I just developed uh, that I think Alicent, as as the queen, is going to pardon him and make him uh, her personal guard. Because she, so she, she has a lot of leverage over him anyway, so that could work. Maybe they're going to have a thing later on when Viserys is dead. Oh shit, that's a nice theory. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What do you think? I Well, on that theory... <laughs> I'm questioning whether or not Kristen Cole would sully himself again. I feel like he he lives so much with the guilt of what he did with Rhaenyra that all he's looking for from Alicent is just mercy and someone who's kind. And that enough will maybe just buy his loyalty to Alicent. So I think sort of that's their foreshadowing. I mean, they're not foreshadowing. They're kind of, they've built in this transition for Kristen Cole. He feels... Um, betrayed by Rainier and moving to Allison. But we are really off track today because this <laughs> episode is so episode. good. Yeah, I I thought this was such a good Allison episode. I yes. really liked Allison through the season, but holy crap. The way that she reacts to everything that's happening around her, the strength that she portrays throughout the episode she has an initial conversation goodbye to Otto, which we'll talk about later but the the way that she like portrays coldness and strength and also her ability to maintain composure is so incredible and even when she realizes she's being lied to when you know there's different levels of pulling back the curtain for allison to realize that she's been used by rhaenyra or manipulated by rhaenyra it is Oh, it's just so good. The face acting. And she doesn't even say that much in this episode. Uh, there are, obviously, she has dialogue, but it's it's incredible. And then when she refers to Rainier as her stepdaughter with such um, disdain <laughs> in the know. wedding, is just, and the way she walks in and with the beautiful with the green, green dress. <laughs> oh, it was so, so amazing, so captivating. And notable, it's House Hightower that stands up first to recognize her entrance and yeah. her kind of, 
not kind of definitely interrupting Viserys's speech and just as a as a slight to all of House Targaryen and this farce mm. of a wedding. It holy shit, Alicent really stole this episode. Yep, That's so good. Alicent and Cole MVPs of this episode for fucking sure. It's interesting. It brings up a question for me. I know the the realm won't accept Rhaenyra as her, their queen, right? But Rhaenyra's kind of fucking up here. Like she's like making a lot of wrong turns in mm-hmm. so many ways, right? She's belittling Jason Lannister in the wedding. She's like, you know, she made enemies all last week when she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make fun of you, old person or young person trying to court my hand." She's not acting very politically savvy. So I think that like, you know, she she's not she's not a villain yet, but if she turns into that, I could see them really like I can see us looking back a couple seasons from now and just being like, "Oh, that was good ground work for a f- potential turn towards villainry by Rhaenyra." I mean, I think it's kind of a parallel to Daenerys who always thought that everybody's going to love her just by the fact that she's a Targaryen. Uh, And so I think Rhaenyra has the same thought that she is a Targaryen. She doesn't have to, she doesn't have to please everyone. She can just rule by the power of her family and the name. And I think she might find out at some point that she is wrong. Yeah. I guess there's a Targaryen mentality where you don't have to play Mm. the game. You're above it. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, was it, was was Daenerys's brother actually also called Viserys? I, yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. And I think he also had that attitude up to eleven. But I think it's it's almost more him in Rhaenyra than Daenerys. Uh, because I don't know. I think Rhaenyra just is very much like on the power trip. Yeah. Oh, she's trying to get to that power trip. I guess. Yeah. Trying to get grasp at power. But I, I love her and Lenore's agreement and their conversation oh, on the beach. So it's just, it's a fascinating, I, it's such a modern concept, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way, but it just totally makes sense. And I guess Paul went out for uh, Joffrey Lawnmouth. Joffreys don't really do well at weddings, don't they? No, but I mean, it is his fault. He was, he was mocking, uh, he was mocking Cole. So that's what you get, I guess. God, are all Joffreys just born idiots? I guess so. Oh man, oh, I apologize to anyone named Joffrey potentially listening to this. I don't. I don't. Th- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but uh, should we get into the seas- the specific scenes, or do you have any thoughts before we transition out to that? I mean, I have so many thoughts, but I'm sure we'll get into them when we're discussing the uh, scenes. And I'm uh, I'm wondering how much overlap we're going to have. So uh, what's your first scene? My first scene is the first scene or one of the first scenes of the episode when Otto is leaving King's Landing and talking to Alicent. Mm-hmm. I found the plea by Otto very rationally sound and makes a lot of sense. And the emotionality that Allison displays on her face, if you can kind of notice it, it's the last display of emotion that we find for her in this episode. She does kind of seem very stoic afterwards, even in the face of, you know, damning information that she's getting. So I really liked this because, A, Otto's right. 
and it pains me to say this, but Otto is making a lot of sense for what for the position that they are in right now. And for better or for worse, Otto is a good political gamesman. So he knows what's coming and he has to he informs Rainier about what not Rainier, Allison about what to do. And I love their their parting. I wish they we had more groundwork about their tenderness because mm-hmm, i find yeah. that their relationship had been displayed as quite cold and we don't see that emotionality but we see it all coming out here and really it's a pillar that allison could always rely on to have Otto in king's landing but i think it's really cool to have her being alone there now but i wish it's like the only thing that really fell short to me was just that oh i wish we had more of this in the past but again when we're time jumping so much we're just gonna have to have some logical belief f- f- faiths of leap no what leaps of faith that's it <laughs> uh, and in the end it further hardens how important Rhaenyra's lie was to Allison, or how damning Rhaenyra's lie was because she sacrificed her father's career for this for Rhaenyra and her her loyalty to Rhaenyra led to her father losing his job and getting kicked out of the capital and then her being alone so the the betrayal that Rhaenyra did to her is even more hurt hurt some hurt some that's not a word hurtful hurtful thank you god English man (laughs) And I think it's it's clear that the lie, or Allison discovering that Rhaenyra did lie, is the nail in the coffin to their friendship. Yeah, and it, I think it's doubly or triple insulting because Allison in the previous episode had had made steps to mend that relationship. Yeah, I mean, and she was go and she was going towards Rhaenyra. Uh, and kind of offering offering peace and uh, like a new friendship and uh you know Rhaenyra just lies to her and uh you know as you said that results in her uh father being ousted so that that is just makes it, it's it's you know adding insult to injury yeah and not only did she try to mend the relationship directly she's been defending Rhaenyra to everyone else whenever Otto brings up the succession she's like oh Rhaenyra would be a good queen she is positioning Rhaenyra to actually get what she wants so in a way and in her own way maybe not verbally towards Rhaenyra because Rhaenyra won't accept her Alicent has been loyal to their friendship up until this point and it's really Rhaenyra's actions that puts the final rift between the two that they can never potentially never uh, overcome I mean, I think at this point it's too late. Yeah, unless something drastic changes. Yeah, maybe if there if there is uh, ever a common enemy that is big enough for the two of them to to band together again. But I think Alicent uh, is going to maneuver herself in a way that makes you know is going to make her more independent of of Rhaenyra and the Targaryens. You know, with Cole, for example, or with other people. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see where this is going. So you're suggesting that they bring back a Night King? <laughs> no, I don't think it's going to be that. Maybe it's going to be something from uh, Bravos or the Lannisters. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see some more Lannister action at this we point. We always can hate a Lannister. Exactly. And uh, Jason 
is is a perfect person to hate with his uh, very sexist remark. He really is an asshole. He really is. He is he is almost the worst he's like outright the worst Lannister. Everybody else is just cold and calculating and cruel, but he's just outwardly the most asshole. Yeah. You know? At at least the others had gravitas. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's just an idiot. He's just a rich little prick. Exactly. Um, but it's funny that you chose this scene because I couldn't decide be- between this one and the next Allison scene where I, I didn't look up his name, but the son of the new Hand of the King is, is kind of manipulating her, telling her about the uh, the tea and insinuating that Rhaenyra might be pregnant or might have been pregnant, uh, you know, feeling unwell and kind of stoking fear in Alicent uh, uh, about her position at court um, and her also her uh, son's position, I suppose, and like an upcoming conflict. And I thought just the two scenes together were just a perfect duo in and really informing what Alicent does later in this episode. So that's actually brings up a really interesting thing, the Strong brothers. And that's Harwin Strong and Laris Strong. These are the two kids of Lionel Strong. And you see them both in this episode do different things. So yeah. Harwin Strong is, he's been in the background throughout the entire ep- season. Uh, he's the one who runs into Rhaenyra last episode in the streets of King's Landing. He's the one who is dancing with Rhaenyra in this episode before Damon cuts in and he's the one who breaks up the fight and re- rescues Rhaenyra in the he's mm-hmm. the one that Lionel kind of like nods to be like yo do this and he's supposed to be like the strongest man in King's Landing essentially sort of like the mountain was but I see not as evil or ferocious I guess and not a zombie and his self is juxtaposed directly with Laris. And Laris is this physically feeble, but intellectually very sound and kind of a little finger type. So you really have this dual brothers. And I think they're really important to kind of understand because the, as we get into these uh, this season more, we're seeing more and more of them as also Lionel becomes Hand of the King and becomes more important. But I mean, back to the scene, like Laris and his, his infor- information spreading or his rumor spreading we can kind of see how information is being used to manipulate or to use certain people to certain ends. My question is here, what is Laris trying to get out of this? Because for him to, you would imagine he would be aligned somewhat with his father. Maybe he's not, and we're kind of being misled there, but what is the benefit to him for pushing Rhaenyra's down or driving a wedge between Alicent and Rhaenyra? That I'm not entirely sure. And I guess we'll have to see moving forward, but it didn't really make that much sense to me. Um, so it's really interesting. I, I'm just confused about that scene more than anything else. Maybe things will become clearer later on, but, um, and it's obviously, it's obvious that Alicent knows he's, he's trying to play her. And I like the way that she plays it as well. So mm-hmm. it's a great performance in terms of how she's able to convey on her face, basically silently as he's rambling on, that he's able that she knows that 
what he's saying is, you know, should be taken with a grain of salt, and which is why she approaches Kristen's Cole, someone who would be a more noble, quote unquote, source of information. Yeah, very but yeah, so the, the, yeah, exactly. Well, and there's a lot of there's a, so there's a lot of layers in there, and for me, it's more reflective of the strong brothers coming becoming a bigger part of the story, uh, paralleled with their father, and their differences in how they both wield power in different ways. Yeah, I think his play here is either trying to pit the two of them against each other so that maybe his father can gain more influence as the two of them are fighting. Or maybe it's, I don't know, almost misogyny where like he is going to, ex like specifically targeting the two women, uh, not in terms of their like position, but their gender and pitting them against each other. Uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it, he's definitely trying to stoke the conflict so that's very interesting. And he's clearly outlined a favor, favorable intentions towards Allison. So maybe he does mm -hmm. want Aegon on the throne for some reason. Doesn't believe Rhaenyra would be a good queen. May, but that's against the wills of his father, potentially. Or maybe his father is working things in the background, similar to how Otto was. I doubt that because Lionel Strong seems like the most straight shooter guy I've ever met. I yeah. love him so much. He's like, I want him to be, I don't know. My big brother. <laughs> but I think that is a kind of, I think that's why your comparison to Littlefinger is very apt. That I think maybe he tries to position himself as the new hand of the king of Aegon if he is now getting on Alicent's good side. So maybe he plays the long, long game, you know? Maybe he does. He just sees everything. Mm -hmm. All right. What's your, uh, what's your next uh, scene? My next scene is. Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra talking on the boat. Mm -hmm. Wait, oh crap, I have the six scenes written down. Oops. Oops. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, that's still my second conversation. That's my second scene. Okay. And Kristen Cole really, really gave a bad pitch here, man. This is a bad look for Kristen Cole. She, she yeah. obviously doesn't want you. Like, she's not going to go away with you, man. Like, I think th this scene is actually just so critical because it is the beginning of Kristen Cole turning t against Rhaenyra. And up until this point, he would profess his love to her, basically. And he was extremely loyal to her. And if she plays this differently, and or she played last episode differently that wouldn't have changed. So this conversation really is the beginning of the end of their relationship or whatever it was. <laughs> I wouldn't really call it a full on relationship for multiple reasons, but it's clear to him now that Rainier doesn't want him for him. He wants, as he, as he said, he wants me to be her. Wait, he wants him. What? She, she, she wants wa him to be her whore. Thank you. God pronouns really <laughs> struggling right now. But in the end, after that, you see the selfishness in Kristen Cole's mindset, where he thinks only about himself, about how he soiled his white cloak and he cannot see it from her perspective. Even though her perspective isn't great, she clearly wants Damon, but uses Kristen Cole for his body. But 
he also is not blameless in this. And you can kind of see the beginnings of his selfishness and self-absorption that will kind of all explode with his anger. And it's interesting how he kills Joffrey in the wedding. And previous to that, I forget where it was. In a previous episode, he's talking to Rhaenyra and... Rhaenyra talks about how someone is kind of annoying or something like that. And Kristen is like, oh, do you want me to kill him? Instantly. So you can kind of see that mm-hmm. violence is his way to solve problems. And maybe that, or I guess clearly now that's indicative of an anger issue of some kind. And that coupled with his self-absorption that we see in this scene here, which is the beginning of the end of their their loyalty to one another is it's just so it's incredible scene and it's these kinds of little scenes that turn to be pivot points in uh, relationships that i think are really interesting in this show because this show doesn't have the same scope that game of thrones does and to a certain extent i'm i'm sad about that because i really like the grounded scope of Game of Thrones, like Arya and the Hound just spending a season walking through the different parts of the countryside. But the nuances of the relationships between specific individuals that the show is focusing on is absolutely fascinating. And conversations like this are really a highlight to me. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is Kristen Cole coming down from a high, the high of love, I suppose where he realizes, oh no, what have I done now that she has refused me? I see that I have thrown everything away that I've ever worked for, for basically a, like a one-night stand. Um, and, you know, he just goes, all, he just goes, you know, go big or go home. And she refuses and he is just fucked, basically, in his own, uh, like, moral framework. So yeah, th- I think that's a fascinating scene. My my second scene is the one kind of, or or actually I have two scenes before that. <laughs> um, one of them, or very briefly, is the one between Rhaenyra and Lena when they you know they talk on their conversation on the beach about about goose, uh, or rather about sexual tastes, which I thought was just very well played. Um, and you know they come to this agreement that, uh, as Renira puts it, when they're married, each of us dines as we see fit, which I think is a very, very good, uh, very good analogy or metaphor. Um, I know that, that was very interesting, and that it's kind of like a pair with the scene right next to it with with Lena's parents talking first about Viserys and how undignified. It was that he came, uh, that he came there and to to high tide and was basically, as Rainer's put it, begging for Lena's hand. And then they expressed concern about Lena's sexual interests in men and what that could, uh, you know, result in and the threat of war if they marry their son to a female heir. And I thought. Just, I mean, they go together quite nicely, um, but I like the parental perspective, sort of, about that, and also the power perspective, where where because we haven't really seen Corlys and Rhaenys talk shop like that. 
Yeah, they're a really cool pairing. And I particularly miss having Rhaenys and her wisdom on screen. So it was nice to see her again. It's been a minute. And I like how they, as you said, are concerned for their house, but also for their son. And the you can see how their marriage makes sense because they're two really intelligent individuals going back and forth, uh, matching wits with one another. And in a show that's full of asymmetric relationships, I'm not going to say that this one is particularly equal, especially, you know, that world, but it is indicative of two people who are of at least like similar, if not Rainis is more intelligent. Um, And I really like the two of them. weighing the pros and cons here and uh, they're just they are a relationship that kind of we want to spend more time with and something that we should kind of look forward to seeing more of i mean i hope we will and i think they will probably be more often at court now (laughs) so uh maybe they will be more the focus of attention yeah does corliss come back on the small council as master of ships again i wonder yeah Probably have to fire the Lannister man or whatever his name is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Now that uh, the uh, uh, there's a new hand of the king, I suppose there's a free spot. Oh, true. But wasn't um, Lionel Strong... What was he? I don't know. He wasn't... Mas- Master of Laws is Beesbury... Um, Grand Maester is Melos. Obviously, the hand was Otto. Master of Ships was Corliss. Now the Master of, of Ships, Ma- Master of Whispers, is not on this council. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, that's a distinct Varus role. Yeah, right. It's such a good role. Man, why can't I remember it? Master of Coin was uh, was strong. Master of Coin. I don't know, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I have to look things up because okay, because you can't look for spoilers. It's not not a big deal right now, but thanks for taking one for the team. I already know everything that's happening, so it's it's <laughs> yeah okay. Um, should we move on to the next scene? Sure, it's yours. We have to discuss. <laughs> it is mine. Cool. Yeah, I can keep track of things. Which conversation do we want to talk about? Let's talk about Allison and Kristen Cole, I guess, because uh-huh. uh, I think we'll have the same last scene to talk about, which is the thirty-minute-long scene to end the season, <laughs> the, yes. end the episode. Yeah. Cool. So I'll talk about Allison and Kristen Cole here. Um, Allison, it's a really, really well-written scene because mm-hmm. Allison's talking about one thing. Kristen Cole's thinking about another and he jumps the gun and confesses to something that she didn't, wasn't really aware of. And it is just such a great scene um, and how it pulls back layers of information that way. Um, it's indicative of Kristen Cole's honor, I guess, to a certain extent, if you want to call it that his, um, weakness you can call that another way is two sides of the same <laughs> coin potentially and Allison's acting um, in this scene is absolutely incredible how she is able to hold back all of that emotion and basically you can see I can see the tension on the screen and the desire for her to be just like scream and yell and take it out on Kristen Cole but while she figures out what to do, she simply just dismisses him and does it so well. And I, it's these little tiny details that, again, akin somewhat to the Kristen Cole Rhaenyra conversation, but even more so nuanced. I found this uh, to be a very affecting scene that, I guess, further 
exacerbates the degradation of Kristen Cole as, as an individual as a, and his psyche, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I was also going to pick that uh, scene. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, it's incredibly well written. The, uh, you know, you, see, you immediately see that there's a huge misunderstanding, uh, you know, there. And, but because of the previous scenes, you really see where each of the characters is coming from because it happens directly afterwards. And so they have their own specific thing in mind and don't realize what's happening until it's you know, explicitly stated. And I was just enjoying this conversation because I knew where this was heading. And I was just like, oh, this is very well crafted. And obviously, you know, Allison just kind of dismisses calls like, yeah, whatever. That's not what I really wanted. But okay. And I think it's partly because she is very much just just in her uh, preoccupied with her own thoughts but i think also maybe because she has a lot of emotional intelligence and sees that cole is also struggling with it uh which i think speaks for alicent yeah it's just such a good scene all around and these conversations in fancy rooms are just getting better and better by the episode that's what what i like about all of like the very small scale you have more of these intense dialogue scenes and i mean i like i like a good action scene as much as the next person but i also i mean dialogue and character is above everything for sure i'm so glad we didn't have like a crazy dragon battle sequence to end the episode again it's just like that was this is so much more interesting i mean we say that and still that we see cole bashing someone's head in so i guess there was like an action scene (laughs) at the end but still um there's just so much good dialogue in this episode i think it's one of the i mean that doesn't go go far because i don't watch that much that many shows but it's one of the best episodes of tv i've seen in a long time yeah you don't watch many much tv (laughs) so it's immediately (laughs) discounted but still it's still true Uh, (laughs) sorry um before we talk about the feast scene um which i believe is your fourth right yes i'm gonna i'm gonna change my fourth then to talk about another scene (laughs) to kind of fit things in a little bit there you go and i want to talk about viserys and lionel strong talking about legacy Oh, such a good scene. Yes. Yeah, I think we have to talk about this epi- this part of this episode because yeah. Viserys can see the writing on a, the wall of his reign. He can see that he's dying. He knows what's happening. And this question he asks about oh, wanting to have songs written about him in the future and Lionel Strong giving such a great response about having a peaceful living and not wanting to be tested and to extend the legacy of Jaehaerys and this balanced opinion. Not only does this, this is such a good insight into Viserys because Viserys desperately wants to be remembered, wants to be special. He talks about wanting to be a dreamer. He talks about, he gives information to um, Rhaenyra in front of Balerion, the Dread Skull. He um, makes maps or um, models of old Valeria. He, what else does he do? He does a lot of things. <laughs> He's always <laughs> concerned with his legacy and it all comes out in this conversation about, and it's it's of in the forefront of his mind consistently. So I just found, 
you know, his question about what will I be remembered for? And spoiler alert, not much because you're not that present, honestly. But yeah. I think it's a great question on do we want our is the best of times just a peaceful life or because we often do remember like those figures in history that are the conquerors, right? We don't remember the people in between the warriors or those who lost battles dramatically or whatever it may be. But it's just such a good commentary on history in general, on life and what, what we, so what, what we leave for the future and how do we choose to create, create legacy for ourselves? Yeah, I think there are, I mean, there are two kind of tropey sayings with uh, the grass is always greener on the other side and may you live in interesting times. And I think both of them come to pass here where I'm sure, and I think Strong says that as well, I think a lot of warrior kings would have preferred a peaceful reign, but everybody's just always discontent. And I love as well because... Uh, you know, as I noted it down exactly what he said, is it not better to have kept peace than have songs sung about you when you're dead? And I kind of love that. I, I think that the answer that Viserys gives is just him in a nutshell because he says perhaps. And that's how he's going to be remembered, if at all, where he's just just not a very strong-willed person. You kind of see it as well later with um when damon arrives and it's obviously a huge affront but but viserys is just like whatever have a seat at my table uh and he's just not a very strong character not a strong king and i think he senses that and that's kind of his way of airing his grievances for the record, uh, I just had to count it up really quick. I have watched so far this season from 2022 television shows, 19 full seasons of television. <laughs> including... Things you do when I talk. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I've watched a season of 2022 television. except well, this. It's a great year of TV so far. I guess I've, I've, watched, uh, I've watched a few Star Wars shows. I've watched Obi-Wan and <laughs> Book of Boba. Yeah, there Yay. you go. I mean, that's it's kind of those are the ones at the bottom of my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But um, I have been keeping a track of all the TV that I'm watching this year and ranking them and kind of writing stuff about them. Spoiler, not spoiler alert, but a teaser for an episode that hopefully I am planning to talk about in December about mm. the television in 2022. But yeah. it is it's been a lot of television, so. <laughs> To be fair, I have I have watched as many seasons of television this year, but just not things from this year. I think I've wa- I like I've watched all of Sopranos. I've watched all Got of it. True Detective. Got it. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, Got it. Sorry, I just had a visceral reaction to True Detective. Uh, I just in my head, I still have that second season in my in my brain, and I'm just like, ugh. Yeah, but there's a third season that's kind of good. I know, I know. And the first one is pretty, is like amazing. So no, first one's great. Second one, it can go die on a hill. Yes, and, I, um... I didn't. Okay, actually, I didn't rewatch that one. <laughs> I rewatched okay. the first one and watched the third one for the first time. So okay, that's a better choice for you to make, and yes. it works well for that kind of TV model. But yeah. alas, we're not here to talk about other television. We're here to talk about this damn show. Yeah, and we're going to talk about an amazing scene: the feast slash wedding scene. Holy shit! 
<laughs> yes. It just so many things happen. So many characters that we see are reintroduced and so many characters, yeah, you know, revealed in the sense where we get a lot of conflicts. You mentioned the Lannisters. We have the guy from the Vale who is talking to Damon. We have Alicent interrupting Viserys' speech and the Hightower is being slightly amused by that. Um, we have Lena and his uh, boyfriend. We have Lena giving Damon a very interested look, which I think is going to come back at some point. That's That's fascinating to me. And all of the pomp and circumstance surrounding it um, and then obviously the the fight uh, and you know uh, and then later on the wedding so I don't know do you what would you want to talk about first there are so many things here um, right. <laughs> I mean you said it nicely but Lena basically gives Damon fuck me eyes basically let's be honest yes. there <laughs> um gerald royce his conflict and approaching damon i really wonder how that's going to play out if we're talking about the future of all right who's going to rule alicent rainera or damon it seems like gerald royce and the veil will maybe be like fuck you damon i'm not sure what's going to happen there i guess we'll find out um kristen cole it's just like a fucking idiot. Like you really gave yourself away so easily. Like, yeah. yeah okay. Joffrey Lawnmouth is, well, he's a modern day or a then Sherlock Holmes or whatever the fuck. He can just discern these things. But I mean, Kristen Cole was being quite obvious in terms of his ogling of Rhaenyra when mm. he was dancing with, or when she was dancing with Lenor. I really liked both Damon and Allison's entry. So if we're talking about two of the, potential successor to the throne they both come in in conflicting manners so damon walks in and the whole place goes silent waiting for viserys's reaction and reaction just viserys clearly damon wasn't invited and viserys is like fuck fine just pull up a chair for damon like whatever and damon like has this smug look on his face as if he had won the evening right so he thinks he's victorious and then allison comes in and just outshines everybody she's basically appearing to make her mic drop basically and what happens is that she for the first time looks like a fucking queen she looks like yeah. she should rule and it is an incredible sequence by her um it is so in the um behind the scenes kind of commentary oh man i forget the actor's name who plays allison now i feel terrible but as we have established pre previously, you're terrible with the names. Oh, God, I'm terrible with everything, let's be honest. But <laughs> she reflects on how Allison was thinking about this time and her, her moment walking through this uh, the hall upon her entry. And she says basically that Allison in her mind is thinking, I now know the truth about what Rhaenyra has done. And now I know where I stand. This is her making, not a call to arms for Old Town, but essentially like a strong line in the sand being like, I am a high tower first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Previous to this, she had been dressing in Targaryen garb, the reds and the blacks of Targaryen, but now she is declaring to the world that she is loyal to House Hightower and whatever comes of it 
will come of it. So I guess we can start with Allison or wherever you want to start, but I just threw a couple of things out there. I have so much more to discuss still about this uh, episode or this scene. I mean, there's just everything. The, we see all of the entrances. Um, let's Should we attempt to do it chronologically? <laughs> Yeah, okay, let's do it. So we have uh, Jason Lannister and um, I think it's Gerald Royce also comes up and they both kind of wish um, their best to Rhaenyra. Um, we also have a couple other people who come to, I forget their names. Uh, I need to be better at that. But yeah, um, did you make anything of the immediate entrances? I do find Rhaenyra's scoffing of some of them uh, interesting. Jason Lannister is an asshole, obviously. Um, Was she scoffing at anyone else? Uh, largely him, I think. I was going to say. I mean, he just made some remarks that were, were very terrible. Yeah. So I get it. Um, and, you know, you, you don't have to put up with that shit on your wedding day. I understand. So yeah, I don't know. He's just he's just thinking he's all that, and then everybody's just like, yeah, whatever, fuck off, <laughs> basically. Yeah, the interesting thing with that though is, you kind of have to deal with pricks like that in a way, right? Yeah. So I think it's interesting. Neither Viserys nor Rhaenyra are great at politicking. Clearly, it's clearly <laughs> Alicent is the best of them in yeah. terms of putting on a face because she's had to do it from when she was a kid because her father hoard her out to the king. But it, it is interesting that I guess when you are a Targaryen and you have that strength inherently, you can just say fuck off to a person like Jason Lannister. Yeah. Then uh, Royce cuts in line. I f- I forget who he steps in front of, but he basically, uh, yeah, announces announces his presence. And um, I think he was previously sitting there. And then Viserys does a whole spiel of, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your uh to hear about your cousin and we're very sorry and Rhaenyra says the uh the nice sentence if the crown if there's anything the crown can do let us know and i think Viserys at at this point was just like ah just biting his tongue shut up yeah (laughs) let's not be involved in this um and then obviously we have the entrance of uh uh, of the Valerians, the big, big entry where everybody just suddenly, the procession is dissolved and nobody cares anymore who was next in line because it's them and they're doing grand, grand old entrance. And then it's Damon's, uh, Damon's time to show up. And yeah, you already went into that. Uh, next up is the, the dance between Rhaenyra and uh Lenor, uh which was i thought was an interesting was a nice touch because they are you know they're doing it in front of everyone kind of foreshadowing how how they're not now going to be much more in the spotlight and everybody's going to watch their every move very very carefully i also find it interesting because they they share a sort of kinship because they both kind of don't like what's going on and they're just kind of bored with it yeah. and it actually can bring them closer together when you have something like that in common despite them not having maybe a sexual attraction they do have commonalities for sure yeah it goes back to that uh, scene at the beach 
where they're talking about this <laughs> basically like we're both not really happy about this but let's just do our duty here and uh, the rest of the time we can just do whatever we want and just you know have this agreement and it's going to be fine and yeah i think that can be a it reminds me a little bit of the discussion between uh, cersei and robert in the first season of game of thrones yeah i mean obviously is it's decades later but I think they I think they maybe started off the same way or similarly anyway. I mean if that's a model for marriage it's not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hope it ends better for those two. Yeah. That's 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 for sure. Yeah. Um in that dance it's Kristen Cole kind of just leering at Rhaenyra that gives away that he is their lover or he is her lover. And that leads to Joffrey Lonmouth uh, basically going up to Kristen Cole and teasing him and promising to keep a secret. Really just a, a, a shitty move, an idiotic move by Joffrey there. Yeah, but I like the juxtaposition there where the, the two of them are jilted, not, not quite jilted, but they're both lovers of the, of the couple. And one of them is doing all of the politicking and is paying attention. And the other is just moping in the corner visibly. And I thought that that was just a nice contrast here. And one is able to accept his station as just a lover, realizing the realities of things. And Kristen Cole, I mean, noticeably, he's not of high birth. He doesn't know the games of politics. He's come from a smaller house, all these things. He doesn't realize that that's the reality of how things are going to have to be. He, yes, he is going to have to be her whore if he wants to be around Rhaenyra. So otherwise, that's not happening. Yep. And with all of the things that I just said uh, about him, now he's got, he's dead. So what good did it do for him that he paid all of this attention? Because, uh, you know, as you said, he mocks, he mocks Cole and he isn't having none of it. I'm surprised that, like, the king consort, Lenor. How is he not going to demand the head of Kristen Cole after this? I mean, maybe he will. I wonder how that's going to play out with uh, Alicent not, or I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things happen, obviously. but Yeah, it depends on whether Viserys survives, because if not, then he's not king anymore. So Alicent's kind of fucked. So maybe the two of them will then flee together, Alicent and uh, Cole. That'd be interesting. Um. But if Viserys survives, then then I have no idea. <laughs> I have no clue. We'll find out, I guess. Yep. I really like the conversation that Allison has with her uncle. Yes. When uh, he basically tells her he was afraid that she would wilt without her father here, but she's standing and strong. And he, when he does say to her, old town is with you, it was just like an amazing foreshadow of just like how strong mm. she can potentially be with everyone behind her and Absolutely. how she's finding her own strength in this episode, absent of her father. Um, and it's a great moment where we always knew Allison was strong in her way. She was acquiescing to her father's desires, but she was maintaining a level of strength and some level of um, autonomy by her able, being able to manipulate Viserys in certain ways, unlike anyone else. But in this episode, it starts to really em- emanate from her, this strength. So great at Allison episode for sure. 
Oh, so good. Yeah, I, I love that conversation as well. It was just, it it shows that Alicent is not alone. That even though, you know, her father is gone now and Rhaenyra betrayed her, she still has her family who, of course, is not there with them, with her, but but she can always fall back onto that. And I think might be foreshadowing of a future conflict there as well, where she, yeah, as I said, I think she might just leave King's Landing at some point. And it's juxtaposed with the last episode when she talks about how lonely she is and how she is, yeah. has no friends. So she's realizing the strength of her family and her wear adorning the green dress is a message being like i am not alone i have the strength of my family behind me unlike you fucking targaryens basically yeah exactly which is interesting because that from from a motif perspective that means that rhaenyra and Alicent are very similar in this episode they both do something to kind of further their family uh kind of yeah their family's interest yeah, it's a, it's such a great scene. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about Chris and Cole going apeshit? <laughs> sure. I was kind of taken aback by it. It was like I didn't really see it start. No, it wasn't. It, we did not see it start. That's kind of okay. the point, I think. Yeah, I rewatched it a few times. We can't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So uh, you know, fight breaks out, and then we just see Cole beating the guy to pulp, literally. Uh, and that was kind of intense. And I think to me, there are two scenes in there or like two moments that really captured my attention. One of them is Cole uh, hitting uh, Lenor, which I think that's that's a big, that's going to be a bad thing in the future. And also, as you said, the uh, elder strong boy, was it strong? I don't know. Yes, uh, strong, Harwin yeah. strong. Yeah, he who is kind of, taking Rhaenyra and helping her to get out of there um saving her and I thought that that was those were two very interesting scenes in in all of this kind of turmoil yeah what do you make of the Harwin Strong rescuing Rhaenyra I think that it's just going to be uh another it's, it's interesting because in a sense both brothers are trying to help the different sides so maybe this the overall family strategy here is uh we're going to win no matter what because we're we're helping both of them um but i think it it might it might have just been kind of i mean you know the father is the hand of the king so he has a vested interest in rhaenyra surviving um and that could be a favor maybe now the son is going to be uh you know in a higher esteem at court um, so that's interesting. I think we'll see the outcome of that soon, I assume. It'll be interesting to find out. Um, and exactly. then, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, Kristen Cole just like murdering Joffrey and hitting Lenor. Yeah. It, I just want to say, I mean, we've alluded to this so many times at this point. I guess we don't have to repeat too much, but the consequences of this action, I guess we're going to find out moving forward. Um, and yeah. also, we haven't talked this whole time really about Viserys's. Yes, he's col- he is like coughing yeah, collapse. Yeah, exactly. Right. Nose bleeding everywhere. He can't yeah. command the room. He's basically this fight scene 
encapsulates Viserys' entire reign. He's mm-hmm. standing there watching everything go to shit, trying to say something, but is just such an absent king that he has no power in the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, good good that you mentioned that because I want just wanted to point out again. The foreshadowing is amazing because I think it's the very first episode where we see that his finger is is in a bad condition and now it's in his entire arm and he's coughing all the time later he's coughing blood he's collapsing and holy shit that was so well done yeah and that last uh, wedding scene when they're saying their vows to each other oh so beautiful yeah everybody's just really shocked yeah (laughs) everybody's like not happy about this at all after what just happened and i just got a i just got a question why is cole allowed to move freely why yeah, was right. he not immediately apprehended and put yeah. into chains? No idea. Maybe in Makes in the, the hecticness of everything, he just escaped. Yeah, left to assume. He does know everything quite well as a member of the King's Guard. But it's very interesting to me that the exchange of vows happens in a kind of a private sphere, not in a public one. Maybe it is because of the altercation, but... Well, they just skipped everything because they were supposed to have a week of tournaments and feasts and have the wedding at the very end. And Mm. they were just like, fuck all that. We're getting married right now. We're not going to even clean up the blood of of Joffrey. (laughs) And like, Laenor is still freaking bleeding from getting whooped by Kristen Cole. So it's just like, they're just going to skip everything, get it done, move on. Like, we're Mm. canceling everything, basically. So that's a really weird move. Not a weird move, but it is a, I guess... It's very serious. It's a very rash move and not really thought through and just reacting to whatever's happening in front of him. But I found it, the way it was shot, the music, the somberness of it, the way that they're fighting back tears or specifically Lenor is fighting back tears. He can't even get it. Like he can't even like bring himself to kiss uh, Rhaenyra at the wedding. Like he has to turn his head. It was just like Mm. so many details. So good. And obviously at the end, Viserys collapsing and symbolically the crown falling off his head and rolling on the ground. So fucking amazing. And then the shot of the rat at the very end, like drinking the blood after that we had the rat scene last week over like when they were having sex. It's just ah, Mm. this rat motif is so interesting. (laughs) So good. Such a good episode. I think maybe that's why, why Viserys made them marry now because he could just he saw earlier that he was coughing up blood so he knew he's gonna die soon and so he was like okay fuck it i don't have a week i need my daughter married so let's do this now yeah yeah fair enough Um, i mean fuck it's incredible so holy shit next week yeah we've talked about what we expect anything else that we haven't mentioned that you'd like to kind of tease for next week potentially or something you're hoping for for next week i mean all of it. I don't know. I just hope it, it it gets close to being as good as this episode. I think it's just going to be, you know, a lot of the outcome of what happened in this one. And boy, did a lot of things happen in this one. So there's going to be a lot of talking about these things and maybe punishing people, maybe fleeing, all of these things. And I don't, I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm here for it all the fucking way. I'm so I'm so happy to finally be excited about a show again. Wow, this is the most excited I've heard you in a while about anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably since we watched Clone Wars together. Oh man, Clone Wars is so good. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
Oh, man. Um, well, with that, thank you so much, Chris, for joining me on this ride and all you listeners for listening. If you like the show, um, give us a maximum amount of ratings units on any podcast platform of choice as I lose my voice. And thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Bye.